and welcome to episode 58 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Mirkatani. I'm Track Wrestling's Andy Hamilton coming to you from Bagash, Poland. Joined on the phone by David Mirkatani back in the United States. David, how's everything back in the U.S.? Trying to hold it down for you, Andy, until you get back. So, um, not as many birds here as there are there, from what I've been told. So, birds, man. It's <laughs> Poland is for the birds, no doubt. It is for the birds. My hotel room is overlooking this uh, river that runs right through the middle of Bagash, and uh, every day these birds congregate, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of birds. And inevitably, David, something sets off one pack of birds and then like just dominoes falling and we got like mass chaos or Alfred Hitchcock type stuff. It's, it's a little bit creepy. It's these big black crows, big black nasty crows and they're so loud too. So anyway, I'm uh, looking forward to getting on a plane tomorrow and getting out of here and getting on the way home. Uh, but uh, U23 World Championships in the books, kind of a rough week for the United States up until Sunday when Richie Lewis caught fire and Joey McKenna and Ty Walls and Isaiah Martinez all wrestled pretty well. The United States comes home with uh, three medals. Uh, Richie Lewis brings home the gold at 70 kilos. Joey McKenna and Ty Walls bring home bronze at 65 and 97 kilos, respectively. A heck of a tournament for Richie Lewis, David. Uh, Just really looking like a guy that has figured some things out, and he has jumped about two or three levels here. Uh, Funny, because, you know, last year he wrestled one match in the All-Star Classic, and he got hurt, and shoulder surgery out for the year. And I think a lot of people just flat out forgot about Richie Lewis. And then he goes to the U23 trials and sets the world on fire there. I think it was like 44 to 6 or something like that, that he took out everybody in his way and beat, uh, you know, the bracket had Tyler Berger in it. It had Talica in it. It had uh, Levon Mays. And Richie Lewis just ran right through it. And... Well, I tell you what, David, the second match yesterday, uh, we're recording this on Monday, so the second match on Sunday when when he, like, he, he just rolled through this Canadian guy in the first round, and, you know, the, the guy was clearly overmatched from the get-go, but round two faced a guy that uh, I thought was pretty decent, and he ran through him, too, and I thought, holy smokes, this guy is going to be a handful today, and sure enough, he... He just rolled everybody up all the way to the finals and then uh, won a 3-1 match in the finals. But uh, certainly going to be interesting to see what Richie Lewis can do in folk style now because he's not the same animal that he's been in the past. Yeah. You know, you and I had spoke last week about the, the chance, you know, that with some of the big, big names not not trying to make the team, that there would be a star or two that might emerge. And obviously he's the one. And, you know, it actually made it a little difficult with rankings. I mean, a couple of the guys I consult with, I'm like, you know, do I bump this guy for winning a U23 world title? Like, do I bump him up? And we didn't. But 
you know this about helping me with the rankings. There's certain guys that you're watching going, the minute somebody above them screws up, they're they're moving. They're moving. Like, we, we think we have them lower than they might deserve to be. And, I, you know, I guess that's maybe the right way to say it. I don't think Richie Lewis is going to finish sixth at Nationals this year. I think there's a really good chance he finishes higher. Nobody above him's done anything wrong, but you said it best when, you know, he's jumped multiple levels. And, you know, when guys get hurt, you don't normally see them get, you know, improve that much. A lot of times it, it really messes them up. It, it it damages them psychologically. It's really difficult for them to to rebound, and he's done the opposite. So you have to give all kudos to that guy for making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I asked him yesterday, was that the best thing that happened to you? Was getting injured the best thing that happened to you? And he said, you know, it really gave him a chance to, to – look inward on some things and he said he was always the type that was in a hurry both on the mat and off and you know started reading a lot and you know one of the one of the books that he read I think uh, success principles is the name of the name of the book it's a book that he said that his mom bought him when he was 12 and he'd never read it and then he saw Conor McGregor reading it during an interview once and so he picked it up and started reading it and started reading a lot of other things too and just kind of felt this calmness that that he didn't have before you know he'd always said he was always like a practice room wrestler and you know would have okay results uh but he was never state champion he went to iowa central he finished second and third there in two years there he was 27 and 7 a couple years ago uh and then then the injury occurs last year and and just really started slowing things down a little bit and and now you're seeing a guy that steps out there in competition and he's got such a high level of confidence. It just, you know, as, as yesterday went along, you could just kind of see in his eyes that, you know, the, you know, in his demeanor that there wasn't anybody who was going to, going to take him out. Yeah. And, you know, he's going to, he's going to go back to work here and December 8th, he's going to have Michael Kemmerer when Iowa comes to town uh, he's got uh, the Midlands right after that, and uh, Micah Jordan on January 7th, uh, Tyler Berger on January 21st, Nolf on January 28th. So we're going to get a, a lot of really good looks at Richie Lewis, uh, the new and improved Richie Lewis, and, and uh, I'm eager to see where he winds up because I'm with you. I don't, I don't think there's any way – if you're – you're looking at where we have him in the rankings right now, sixth. I'm taking the over on that, that he's going to finish a better than sixth. Yeah, better, right. Yeah. Like so. And yeah. it's no disrespect to the guys above him. It's just he's jump levels, like you said. And, you know, it's uh, confidence is such a weird thing, right? Like you go from I wish I could to maybe I could to I think I can to I'm pretty sure I can to I know I will. And once you get that confidence, you're literally better at everything you, you know, whether you're a, a journalist or whether you're a wrestler or whether you're a school teacher or whatever you are, once you get to that I know I will stage, you're better than you were the day before when you woke up and thought you could. And it's just the conviction you do things with and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I just... You know, but it's so hard to get. You can't get confidence without winning, so you got to find a way to win 
before you have it all. I mean, that's the whole chicken and the egg of it. And you got a chance to watch that journey in person, you know, like uh, Savion Severado kind of, I think, had that journey this summer, and I got a chance to talk to him about it. And, you know, it's it's a real thing. Guys go through that, and it's super cool to see. So, but once they get that, it's hard to take it away from them in a good way. You know, they're, they're very stubborn in their belief in themselves. And if you don't believe in yourself, you have no chance. So it's it's cool to see these guys that have worked hard jump those levels. And that schedule you laid out, you know, starting, I think you said December 8th through the end of January, uh, you know, that's that's the brutality of the Big Ten schedule. But, you know, I think, you know, Kemmerer feels like he's jumped levels too. And obviously they're all trying to jump up to Nolf's level. So um, there's going to be a lot of good battles to, to watch and talk about when those are all said and done. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, just from – and where all Nolf went this summer, you know, I went out to Colorado Springs and Jason Nolf is out there at a training camp and, you know, I go to Paris and Jason Nolf is along for the ride there, you know, as Zane Rutherford's training partner. And, you know, I'm sure that he's gotten better too. You know, I don't think that <laughs> he right, sat around and collected dust, <laughs> right. you know, during the summer. So, so uh, 157, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this year. There's going to be a ton of really good matchups in there. You know, look at the depth of, of that weight class now. And, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to 157, particularly in the Big Ten, because we're going to see a, a heck of a matchup almost every week, I think, throughout the regular season. So, David, it was, uh, you know, prior to Sunday, man, it was like Groundhog Day for the United, for me and the United States here in Poland. I mean, I, I've been eating rice and pasta every lunch and dinner since I've been here at the at the buffet downstairs. Asian and at, Italian, at the huh? Media buffet downstairs. <laughs> yep. So um, eating the same stuff day after day, walking over you know dreary um, gray sky, uh, over 15 minute walk over the arena, and you get there and. You know, United States first five days of the tournament went seven and twenty-four. Only had two wrestlers even compete in medal matches. Uh, Taylor Miracle, Amy Fernside, both dropped the bronze medal matches there. So, you know, we went into Sunday and the U.S. was still trying to break into the medal count, and boy. It uh, it was rough sledding there for five days, David. The the Greco program and and Matt Lindland had some really candid remarks in his uh, interview afterward after uh, yeah. no medals there and and junior world champion Kamal Bay comes out and his only match against Tech eight uh, zero um, really rough tournament for the Greco team. The women's team went five and ten uh, in matches. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, only the two girls that uh, made the medal matches. Uh, feels like the, the women's team wrestled better than the record indicated. There were a lot of matches in there where just, you know, a position here, a position there got away from them. Uh, you know, position here, a position there made the difference in the match getting away from them a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, you go to Sunday, then – or. Fast forward to Saturday, the, the men's team goes 0-4, and, and you got Dayton Fix and Mitch McKee in that group, and, you know, thinking that those guys might be able to make another run, particularly Dayton, um, you know, just as dominant as he was at up in Finland at the Junior World Championships. 
Uh, Sam Brooks draws the Israeli first round, and you're thinking just, you know, not knowing a whole lot about who these, some of who these guys are. You see bits and pieces of their resumes, but you certainly don't expect to get 10 and 54 seconds by by the Israeli. And uh, and then Michael Krails, uh, he got teched as well, and so it's an 0-4 day. Actually, uh, Fix and McKee were on the verge of getting pulled back into the repechage, and both of the guys that beat those guys let matches get away in the last 15 seconds. So, you know, Mitch actually had taped up his shoes. He's getting ready to go warm up, and then the air comes out of the balloon. Imagine probably a similar situation for Dayton. Uh, really kind of a, a cloudy five days, and then the, the clouds lifted then on Sunday with, I mentioned Richie Lewis. Uh, Joey McKenna was lights out, uh, except for his round two match. He lost to the eventual champion from Russia, uh, got teched in that match. But uh, his first repechage match, down 6-1 at the break, comes back and wins 9-6, couple chest locks late uh, to pull that one out. Ty Walls. Heck of a tournament for him. Uh, let a let a quarterfinal match kind of get away. I, I shouldn't say get away so much as, you know, it really feels like, at least from an effort standpoint, he totally out-wrestled uh, his opponent from Belarus, uh, but but managed to not win the match. He got beat 7-6. Uh, but he comes back, wins a couple of rep- or matches on the backside to take bronze. Thought he looked really good. And then Imar... Uh, was right there in, the, in round one with uh, uh, Gadzi Nabiev from Russia, a guy that was the runner-up at Russian Senior Nationals, loses a 6-5 match, comes back tech-tech uh, to get himself into the bronze medal match, and then uh, Kinchadze from Georgia, Georgia uh, rolled Imar up 11-0 in the bronze medal match. But uh thought Imar represented himself pretty well. So all in all, David, uh, you know, pretty good comeback for the United States to, to salvage Sunday. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd kind of like to walk through, you know, with you just chronologically, like, what are your impressions of Greco? Like, what needs to happen? What are your thoughts on uh, Lindland, you know, really kind of going after his guys? Like, you know, what, what's your what's your reaction uh, to the results and then your reaction to, to his reaction? Well, it was uh, it's a little bit startling, uh, but... You know, it's been kind of a teeter-totter uh, 2017 for the Greco program, in my opinion. I mean, uh, you know, even going back to Finland, they have that tremendous first day up there where, you know, Kamal wins uh, the Greco title, first Greco champion for the United States, and you know, junior world Greco champ for the United States, I think in 18 years. Uh, you mentioned Sevian Severado. He went, went uh, takes home a silver that day, the United States sitting at the top of the team standings and then goes 0-4 the next day. And then you go to Paris and no medals in Paris. They go to Athens and uh, uh, won some matches there. Colton Schultz became the first uh, cadet Greco champ for the United States in like uh, 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so there's some positives happening, but still, as a country, the United States is, is behind. But let's no face doubt. it. I mean, no there doubt. are yeah. there's not a uh, the Americans aren't a factor in the team race in in uh, you know at the senior level at uh, 
really at, at the junior cadet level either, and then U23 to go 2-10, and 10, I think. Uh, you know, a disappointment here, because I thought, I thought it was a team that, uh, you know, had the potential to, uh, you know, maybe collect a medal or two, win, win some matches here at least, more than more than just a couple, and, and uh, for Kamal Bay to come out and get teched, uh, Ado, uh, was, that was one of the bigger stunners for me. And, uh, and then just, you know, Kamal's remarks about, you know, what, you know, what needs to change next year. He said something along the lines of, you know, not letting anybody, uh, kind of rattle him in terms of his preparation for the tournament. And, and, uh, you know, talked about the stress level of coming over and, you know, kind of wanting to do his thing and, and get himself ready. And then Matt Linlin on the flip side uh, talked about how, you know, some of these guys basically uh, need to be living the right lifestyle and be at the right weight classes and uh, watching their diet the right way. And and uh, so, yeah, it was, you know, the Greco program, they got to get on the same page basically athletes and coaches have to get on the same page and and uh you know and then what else needs to happen i think they need to find some guys that are fully invested uh in in doing this and also doing it the, the right way too i mean because you know in hearing matt Lindland talk about some of these things it it uh and my question to him is like wouldn't you think that if you're going to invest this much time in it, that you're going to fill the whole nine yards. You're going to be on top of your diet and your warm up and, you know, the lifestyle and getting the right amount of rest and, and giving yourself every last chance, you know, to, to perform. I mean, this is their livelihood. And, you know, maybe, maybe a deal like this is, is what needs to happen for, you know, those two sides to get on the same page. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, It was a pretty enlightening interview, 11 minutes of a lot of candid stuff there. And, you know, Matt on more than one occasion made mention of the fact that if guys aren't going to change, then we need to change the guys, basically. You know, we need to get invest our time more in uh, in other people. Yeah, which, uh, he said that before. Pretty eye-opening. Yeah, I mean, he said that before. He's friends with Couture, and, you know, so I've had a chance to talk to him privately. And, you know, I, I don't want to say anything, you know, I, I just – sometimes it's not the guys. Like, sometimes it's the system. You know, like, you know, if you look at it in a positive way, a lot of the big schools recruit top 100 recruits, but – you look at a school like Penn State, and they're certainly not batting a thousand, but a lot of these guys are not only winning, but they're actually developing and winning dominantly, and and you know super next level stuff. I mean, Jason Knopf was a really really big recruit, but he wasn't Chance Marsteller. He wasn't the Schultz winner, and so far he's outperformed him. You know, so I mean, you know, the, the fundamental problem is. Nobody here does Greco, you know, and freestyle is yeah. different than folk style. Folk style is dramatically different from Greco. I mean, 
Yep. You know, and there's very, there's less than 20 high school coaches in the country that have any high-level upper body technique. I mean, they're just like, get out of there, get out of there. And you can't lock hands on top. I mean, you know, all your techniques on top, use your legs. You know, so, you know, but the other thing is that in Colorado Springs now, there's very, they've almost gotten away with or gotten away from the residency program. So the Greco guys are all spread out now. Yep. And the RTCs aren't designed for Greco. I mean, they aren't, right. you know, not designed for Greco, if you can say a double negative. But, you know, you go to an RTC and you expect to practice freestyle. I mean, the only RTC yep. that I know that focuses on Greco is Terry Pack and Legends of Gold. And I think that's strongly to do with the fact that his son <laughs> is a Greco guy. You know, so. Yeah, I think Finger Lakes. I think there's some influence of Finger Lakes, too. Okay. But, but yeah, point well taken. Yep. I mean, there's two. I mean, there's two that we can think of, you know. So that's tough, you know, because I've said, and I coached for a lot of years, but I think coaching is to a certain extent underrated or overrated, excuse me, if you surround yourself and recruit the best talent. I mean, if you had all the guys that were at the OTC getting ready for the world and you and I were coaching them, I'm not saying that we would have done as good, but we wouldn't have taken last. You know, there's some – you put all those guys together and good stuff's going to happen. And when it's harder and harder for these guys to train with each other and we're doing a sport, a style that's the third style preferred in our country, it's a very, very difficult hill to yeah, climb. Yeah, it's a tough equation, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's – right. I mean, you go – all these guys go from – you know, grabbing legs. To not. How many months out of the year? <laughs> yeah. 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 And even, even like so many of them too, like you, you look in our developmental system as a country, so many guys when they're wrestling Greco are still wrestling freestyle at the same time too. There's sure. not a lot of specialty. And it's going to be, you know, really fascinating to me to see which route Colton Schultz goes. You know, does he get pulled into the college system or does he stay with Greco-Roman? I I don't know. I, I will be intrigued to see what route he goes because, you know, he, you know, and Matt talking about needing leaders within the program, that's, that's a guy that seems to have those traits at the cadet level. Just a guy that, you know, from what little time I've spent around him over in, in Greece and in, up in Finland and in Paris, it just seems like a guy that other guys kind of gravitate towards. He is. I talked to a coach that's talking to him, and, you know, so actually it's funny you mention him because I get a chance to talk to a lot of guys off the record, so I can't really, you know, divulge a lot of details. But, you know, he was – Colton Schultz was the one that told this coach that, like, there's nobody really high level to train with Greco – in Colorado Springs. That's a problem when a kid and the coach said he wasn't saying it arrogantly, David. He was just saying that like, I can beat all those guys there that are there. Like that's bad. That's bad when a 16, 17 year old who isn't arrogant, who's a nice kid's like, I don't know where to go get a good workout. Cause you yeah. could take the best 17 year old freestyler in the United States and we can drop him in one of five RTCs and he's going to get his lunch handed to him or at least He's going to have to fight, you know, 
and if we said name 10 good freestyle RTCs, you and I would have no problem doing that. So I, I right. just, I, I think the fundamental thing though is, and I, I, a bunch of coaches have said that the kids get the win and the coaches get the losses. And I think, you know, I coach for a lot of years and I coach junior college guys and sometimes they do stuff that drives you crazy. But when you're in public, you just don't say anything. You don't blow those guys up. You know, you, you keep that behind the curtain, closed doors, whatever analogy you want to use. And you handle that in house. And I don't, I mean, I just don't like how this stuff is being handled. Like, you know, and ask like a Colton Schultz who's 16, 17 years old, like he's got a lead. Like if that dude wins, he did his job. When Kamal Bay won, yeah. he did his job. When when Sevian uh, made the finals, he did his job. It, it, you know, they're not supposed to be leading. They, they won or they, you know, they meddled. You know, if, if 10 guys take second or eight guys take second, I'm sorry, in international, your team wins the, the title. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think it's as easy as saying we need leaders from there. I mean, really what it comes down to is like any sport, it comes down to recruiting and development. So they got to get more guys. Like if you had a Kyle Dake wrestling Greco, I think we'd be better at that weight class. No offense to whoever's there now, but just that's a guy that's a winner and a freak athlete and has good Greco skills. And they got to get more guys like that, the guys that are multiple-time national champions. But, you know, part of it, too, is it's it's probably easier to make the Greco team in the United States than the freestyle team, but it's a gazillion times harder to medal internationally and win that money and get sponsorship and advertising and all that other stuff. And if you really like Greco, Greco transitions to fighting a lot more, and it's a lot easier to wit, to make money and lead a glamorous lifestyle and actually not train as hard. It's easier fight training as a fighter is ten times easier than training as a wrestler. So those, there's a bunch of inherent problems there, and I don't think there's a quick solve to any of them. You know, so I, I think people that are just expecting Greco to keep up with freestyle, it's really not a fair ask. I do think Gary May is right. a really smart guy, and if anybody can develop a system from the top down to make improvements, I would bet on that jockey. He is a smart dude, and will probably figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Kyle Dake. You know, Gabe Dean. We saw. You know, obviously has such a decorated college season, and he goes the Greco route. And, you know, he's still in his infancy of transitioning back into Greco, but you know, he goes to the U23 trials first uh, match of tournament gets gets teched by Spencer Wilson. Spencer Wilson goes and gets pinned in 54 seconds by Blake Smith, you know, and then Blake yeah. Smith was one of the guys that went 0-1 this week. So it's it's a tall hill to climb, and especially when you invest five years of college like Gabe Dean did into folk style. I mean, it's, to me, going to take some guys that, you know, and this, this quote stuck with me from Matt at one point this summer, I can't remember where it was, maybe Paris or Finland. I think it was Paris where he said, you know, I don't need all of these guys, but I do need, you know, some of them to just commit, you know, that I'm going to go the Greco route. I'm not going to go to college wrestling. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, we've seen different guys that have 
have transitioned over after college, you know, Dylan Ness tried it. I can't think of anybody outside of really uh, Ryan Mango. Can you, you, anybody else in recent history that wrestled folk style in college and then had some Greco success post-collegiately? Well, I mean, folks that like Division One high level, like, you know, Joe Rao won yeah. a three, D3 title for Elmhurst. But, yeah, the thing you're saying, no, I don't. And th- there's a problem on the front end and the back end. The problem on the front end is, like, I'm the first guy from Missouri to ever win Fargo, and I did it in Greco. And my dad told me, he's like, if you want to get recruited, winning Greco ain't going to get it done. you got to go medal or win freestyle. And that's not the college coach's fault. Their job is to win, so they want guys that can grab legs and defend legs. And then on the back end, you know, if you say, Andy, you're you're a four-time national champ. You're the next big thing. You can go to, and I'm not going to name them because I don't want to leave anybody out, but these top ten RTCs, and all of them, you know, I can train with this guy, that guy, the other guy. And they're all training this style every day. And then there's collegiate hammers in the room that are training a style very similar. You know, like, there's just a scarcity or a sparsity mentality, like, where do you go to train at Greco? If you go to Finger Lakes, if you go to Log, there's maybe three, four other guys there to train with. It's not like going to, you know, name the top ten schools in the country in college, and they all have RTCs, and how many studs they have in the college room plus their senior-level guys. It's It's... They've got to fix it where Colorado Springs or someplace is a mecca where guys can come and train on a regular basis. Because the spreading out thing that works so well in freestyle is not going to work in Greco because they just don't have enough guys doing it. You, get, you have to consolidate. It's, it's, it's the wrong formula for, for that style right now, for sure. I mean, if any, I would argue with anybody about that. It's just there's not enough depth. You can't spread out. Interesting stuff, David. I like uh, I like where you're going with this. I, I think uh, you raise a lot of really good points with it. Anything else you want to hit on you, 23s? No, man. It's uh, you want- it, it, it's fun, you know, re- watching your stuff, and you know, I get to talk to you off air, and you know, text and stuff like that. I, I know we're not even in the same town, but it'll be good to have you back, and you know. Um, I miss not knowing what time of the day I'm texting you, whether you're asleep or not. So it'll be good to have you back in the state so I can bug you when I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on, how about the Karimi situation, the Iran-Israel situation? That's the one thing I did want to ask you about. Like, how was it as awful as it sounded? This was this was really weird, and I, I, you know, when the brackets came out at 86 kilos, you start looking at at uh, one of the things I always do is kind of take a look, you know, when there's Israel and Iran in the same weight classes, like, all right, where did they get put in the draw? Are they anywhere near, nearby? And there were a couple of Iranian um, women who, uh, one moved, uh, I think, to Seattle, another one up to Canada. And, you know, they grew up in Iran, and um, there were huge wrestling fans, and they were in Paris for the World Championships and got a chance to meet them there and talk to them a little bit. And they were really concerned that Yazdani Chirati was going to draw the Israeli. 
in Paris. Like that was something that was uh, really on their radar and, and, you know, because Iranians do not wrestle the Israelis. If uh, you haven't been, for the people that haven't been following this, you know, they, 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 and it's not just wrestling. It's, it's every sport. Uh, And so when the brackets come out for 86 kilos, uh, it's Ali Reza Karimi, uh, Karimi Machiani is his full name. Uh, but Karimi is paired up first round with the Russian uh, Zabrelov, uh, and the winner of that gets Sam Brooks for the Israeli um, uh, Yuri Kalashnikov, and Kalashnikov pin Brooks, and so he's into round two. And while that match ended, after that match ended, I thought uh, at that point, you know, the thing that was running through my head was, well, if Karimi wins, then the Israeli is one step closer, potentially making, you know, the gold medal match and possibly pulling Brooks back in, which is a, you know, scenario you don't really think is going to happen. You know, how many times has the Israeli made a run deep into a, a bracket, but then I walked down the other end of the arena and I was wondering, like, how is this going to play out with the Russia-Iran uh, match with uh, Zabrailov and Karimi? And Karimi's up 3-2 at the break. And then some of the Iranians that were standing by the mat up above, looking over down below onto the mats, they started yelling something at the corner. And the coaches in the corner uh, – about 26 seconds, I think it's 26 seconds into the second period, they throw the block for no apparent reason, like no reason whatsoever <laughs> to stop the match. <laughs> Karimi's winning three to two. They throw a challenge block for no reason. They're just wrestling. And they start yeah. yelling. Yeah, they start yelling something at him, and he's got a confused look on his face. And he continues to wrestle for like a short short blast and they go out of bounds and they're yelling at him again and different people uh on twitter that speak persian basically said they're you know they made it obvious they're telling the, you know to lose the match and at that point uh you know he, he basically uh, realizes that if he wins the match he's going to forfeit to israel anyway uh so is he going to do what's fair to the russian you know, I don't know. I, I think uh, uh, they, they probably looked at it like, you know, we're going to make it tougher on Israel than we are in Russia here. So, um, it's bizarre, right? Karimi, yeah, it was really bizarre. Karimi walked sideways, and he made it so obvious, too. I mean, it was like like he was if he's going to lose this match, he's not going to uh, leave any shadow of a doubt. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he turns sideways and walks in front of Zabrailov as uh, as the action resumes, and the Russian dives in on, on a double leg, and then basically uh, Karimi made you know pretty much crossed his ankles and and offered no resistance on five five laces, and it, it was over. It was it was really strange. And then of course he's you know gets paired up with the the Israeli anyway. Uh, in the repechage and forfeit forfeits that match. So, so Iran, I, Iran's 
I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Iran, Iran will forfeit to Israel, but Israel would wrestle Iran. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So literally, if this happened at the Olympics and Iran and Israel were in the finals, they just wouldn't wrestle. That's what I assume would happen. Yeah. Wow. I. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, I don't know that. I don't know that anybody. Uh, any of the athletes or any of the coaches really feel good about this, but uh, how could they? You know, certainly, a lot of a lot of pressure on them. And and uh, you know, a year ago, first round kid goes to cadets, the uh, 100 kilo uh, wrestler for Iran, and draws the Israeli first round. And and uh, uh, Richard Emmel tweeted about it then. I, I remembered the tweet. You know, more than a year later, he he, he tweeted is. Iran drew Israel at 100 kilos. The Iranian kid just got into it with his coach and is now crying in the corner. Shame. Be glad we live in the USA. I saw the tweet. Right. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. I mean, there's so many levels so, to that, right? It's awful. Yep. Yep, and it's a shame, too, because, uh, you know, Karimi is one of the guys I really wanted to watch this weekend. I mean, you talk about a guy that 2015 was a senior-level world bronze medalist the only guy to score on Sajalayev in Las Vegas, a 6-2 match, uh, couple-time uh, Asian champ, um, you know, Olympian last year and comes to U23s as a guy that, uh, you know, one of the favorites at 86 kilos. And, you know, he was showing it for three minutes. And then, uh, you know, of course, Zabrelov from that point uh, rolled through the bracket and, until he got to finals. And, uh you know, he ended up uh, winning the title, but uh, yeah, that was that was something that was pretty surreal to see that, you know, all go down, you know, up close and in person there. And, and uh, one moment in time where I I really wish I had, you know, there, there's I, I want to learn a lot of languages, David. Yeah. Um, but that's one point in time where I really wished I I could speak Persian or at least had some a translator there to. Tell me yeah. what they were saying. Yeah, it's tragic. I mean, you know, we could, we could, you know, we've talked for a half an hour. We haven't talked about the rankings. We could talk about that for another half an hour. But yeah, it's just awful. I, the one thing that jumps out to me is, as an athlete and as a coach, you always were told, control what you can control and don't worry about the rest because you can't stress about that. I don't know how well I could be as an athlete. You know, my goal is to win a world title, whether it's at the Olympic senior level or cadet or anywhere in between and go yeah but if i draw this guy my country's going to make me forfeit i don't know i don't know how i would deal with that i i don't know that i would do very well with that and i think that's it's just awful to even think about so it's it's terrible i, I you know i'm saying the obvious but just because i can't think of anything smarter to say it's just terrible <laughs> i mean I, i'm with you yeah. i'm with you yeah it's, 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 i wish i was smarter because that's it's just awful, 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 awful. Anyway, so well, let's talk some college wrestling, David. We got some rankings to talk about, and this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system, to Resolite's exclusive 
Digiprint mats, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, I didn't have my fingers on the pulse of what was going on in the college world this year, college world this past week. So fill us in. Yeah. Give us the bullet points on everything that transpired, main points that transpired this past weekend. I mean, Oklahoma State, you know, I, I don't really always know what I'm going to say when we start, but Oklahoma State is having a season just like they did last year where they're killing everybody. They won nine out of ten matches against North Dakota State. The only match was three to two, where Ream beat Blaylock. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm like everybody else. I don't think they have enough to beat Ohio State or Penn State. But it must be kind of nice for Coach Smith to just be flying under the radar, and nobody thinks you have a chance. And every day you get to walk into that room of studs and go, nobody believes in you. I mean, you're putting boulders on those kids' shoulders. I mean, I mean to rhyme that, but you're putting big chips on those guys' shoulders, and I, I think they're they're probably a little better than we're giving them credit for. Um, Ethan uh, Moore is coming along nicely. That you know, they, like we spoke about last week, they're developing. They continue to turn 97 pounders into heavyweights that can wrestle. So that stuck out to me. Missouri winning two duels this weekend without. Jaden Ironman, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know if he's hit, hurt, or nicked up, or you know, or why he didn't go. So I'm not going to speculate. But winning those duels against two really good teams in Virginia Tech and Virginia, um, Jared Hot was winning seven to two against uh, Nicholas and was going for a major because if he had got a major and then they won heavyweight, it would have came down to points and they still would have lost. I mean, I guess maybe they needed to get a major from Zavatsky, and he kind of stopped wrestling. They needed to go major, major win. But anyway, he shot head outside, and Nicholas high-flyered him, stepped right over to Mount, and, I mean, he was buried. Like, it, like the referee couldn't not call it. And so, you know, that – you know, last week was tough on where do we put Nicholas when he lost uh, to Warner. Well, that kind of – Settled that, even though it was kind of a fluky win. And then Grant Leith, and we'll get into it at 49, but Grant Leith really dominated Chishko, but the results there are so inconsistent. It's We're back to your iPhone earbuds analogy, just a complete tangled mess at 49 for sure. So those are kind of the, the highlights of it. And then I think we're all really looking forward to Cliff Keen Vegas this weekend, you know, kind of the first really big tournament of the year. Well, let's take a run through the, the top ten real quick in the team standings. Number one, Ohio State, 121.5 projected points. That's a season high for the Buckeyes. Number two, Penn State at 113. Number three, Oklahoma State at 82.5. Number four, Michigan at 73.5. Number five, Missouri at 61.5. Number six, Arizona State at 56.5. Number seven, Lehigh at 50, number eight, Rutgers at 49 and a half, number nine, NC State at 45 and a half, Iowa back in the top 10 at 43 and a half. And uh, then just a quick rundown of some of the teams on the periphery here. Uh, Virginia Tech 11th at 36, 
Minnesota 12th at 34 and a half, Nebraska 13th at 29 and a half, Northern Iowa 14th at 28 and a half, and South Dakota State 15th at 25. David, I'm going to turn it over to you just to take a quick run through weight yeah. classes and anything that's notable and yeah, we'll just anything kind of, that's changed. Yeah, um, 25, there really wasn't a lot of change. Barlow McGee um, is moving back up. If I think he's you know starting to wrestle like he did a couple of years ago when he was around at 12. And Michael McGee from Old Dominion came into the rankings based on body of work. And Dalton Macri comes into the rankings. Um, some other people have him ranked really high, but he literally hadn't wrestled a match all year and had only gone one and two at nationals the year before. So um, we were waiting to put him in until he wrestled, but he wrestled a duel this weekend so we could justify putting him in. Um, 33, the, the big one here was Brian Lantry lost to Cam Kelly. And Kelly was like 16 or 17 and Lantry was seven. And it just screwed everything up because there was a bunch of guys in between. Normally when that happens, you kind of either jump the one guy all the way up or try to meet him in the middle. Well, there was really Cam Kelly had lost to Gustafson and Myers, who were right above him, or lost to Terrell and Gustafson, excuse me. So we had no choice but to move Lantry down to 17. So that's why Buffalo kind of fell out of the rankings. And uh, Anthony Tudelo of Kent State had a couple good wins, so he comes in. And uh, Philip Locks, granted it's only four matches, but he's undefeated. So we were looking for a guy to put in at 25, so he was the guy there. And um, Ian Parker lost to uh, Tudelo, so that knocked him out, even though he does have a head-to-head over DeSanto, just kind of the body of work there was was such that we, we ranked him the way we did. Um, 41, Yanni Dihakamahalas, we have him at 13. I mean, I feel like he's going to keep moving up. We just He just doesn't have enough matches yet, but I have a feeling that after Cliff Keen – He's going to be in the top eight. Uh, Cortez moved up a little bit. Alex Madrigal jumped into the rankings. Uh, Russell Rolfing jumped into the rankings. Uh, but really, not, it's all kind of in that bottom ten there. Nothing really at the top changed much at all. Uh, 49. Solomon Chisco, we talked about this. So Solomon Chisco was – he he got beat eight to two, and it was closer to a major than it was a win the other way. But what's screwed up about that is he lost to Leith. Leith had lost to Davian Jeffries. That let me go back. Last week Leith lost to Jeffries, and but Jeffries had lost to Jarrett Deegan from Iowa State, who's a Virginia Tech transfer. And he'd lost to Alex Butler, who's the Mizzou backup. So then this week, Leith decides to go beat Solomon Chisco and Sam Crivis. So that becomes just a mess. So we drop Chisco down to 12, move Leith up to 19. Deegan came in at 18 based on beating Leith. Davion's at 21. Crivis is at 20. Kid from Fresno State, Olivas is in for beating Baroni. Um, and last week, you know, people now we got Steve Blyze out of the rankings because he becomes eligible in January because of sitting a semester for transfer purposes. 
49. Kemmer beat B.J. Clagan. That's, you know, not at all a shock, but it's, you know, a top eight result. Um, you and I spoke about this off the air. I didn't know whether I should bump Richie Lewis, but when you look at the resumes of the five guys above him, Nolf, LaValle, Kemmer, Berger, Shields, they've done nothing wrong this year. I haven't seen a lot of Berger results. I mean, I thought about bumping Shields to four, Lewis to five, and Berger to six, and I guess that might eventually happen since Lewis did beat him, but it was in freestyle. Um, but I didn't this week. Mitch Feinsilver's nine and zero. Oh. Nobody's talking about him, so he's at nine. Uh, and like I said, Clayton Ream beat John C. Blaylock. Justin Thomas comes into the rankings from Oklahoma. He's like 11 or 12 and 3. Um, Colin Heffernan dropped out of the rankings, and uh, Langendurfer dropped out of the rankings. At 65, we dropped Marinelli a few spots just because he is inactive. And so we moved up Isaiah White and Chance Marsteller. We feel like those guys are kind of on the same tier so we're trying to reward the guys that are wrestling for the guys that aren't. And because they've been wrestling uh, Caleb Young at 65, I believe. So yep. um, Dwaylon Barnes comes into the rankings just based on body of work. Drew Daniels is undefeated from Navy, so he comes in. Um, not a lot of changes. This was a, a really light week, and we kind of knew that coming in. 74. So 74. Nothing, again, really changed too much. Um, moved Cutler up. I mean, it's there's really not a lot of change up here. I mean, Schaffstall, we have ranked, and nobody else does, but we looked him up, and he's wrestling. He's not redshirting. And, you know, he was 2-2 two and two at Nationals last year. Selden Wright comes into the rankings. Drew Hughes is kind of a tough guy to rank because he's got some good wins, but he's got – some bad losses to some guys that have really bad losses. So that was tough. 84, and I said this on the air last week, I kind of thought we had Nick Gravina too high. So I just re-looked at the body of work and moved Price up to four, Abinader to five, Max Dean to six, Gravina down to seven, and then Zavatsky, Ellingwood, Robertson, Emery Parker, Drew Foster. That whole 5 through 12, those round of 12 matches would just be insane. So, I mean, they all feel like they're an eyelash away from each other. So, uh, so really there was more change at the top there than there was at the bottom. Not a lot of change at the bottom. You know, and I guess, like, if somebody moves from 19 to 22, to me they're all on the same line, so it's – they're just going to score the same amount of points as Nationals, so it's not really a significant change up or down, um, at least in my opinion. So uh, 97, um, we needed to enter the result that Nathan Traxford beat Hunter Ritter the week before, so we made that adjustment. Darmstead, I feel like, is too low at 14, but um, – He'll be there till this week, and then, you know, probably he'll wrestle really well and pin a bunch of people out in Vegas, and that will, that will change, right? Probably get most falls and, you know, probably take third and lose to Colin Moore or something like that. So, um, 
Uh, and then the Miklas hot match we talked about. Uh, Miklas tweaked his knee in the match, and I don't know if it was the same knee. Um, I actually watched that whole duel, but he heard it, and he didn't wrestle the next day at UVA, so I really hope it's nothing serious. I haven't heard anything yet, you know, but that's a kid that's battled a lot of injuries, so thoughts and prayers to him that um, he ends up being fine there. And then heavyweight. Um, not a lot of changes at the top. Really, there wasn't much at all. Uh, Andrew Dunn comes into the rankings, or he came in last week. Or, but there's just there, it was just a slow week. So it kind of was good for us that we had U23s to talk about because it really was not. We took Dustin Dennison out because he had he had lost a couple times, but really not much there to really discuss. David, how much longer uh, are you going to go with, let's say, Tomasello, Anthony Ashnall, Weigel, Marinelli? Uh, you mentioned Marinelli drops a couple spots. There's some guys that have uh, been on the shelf a little bit. I'd say, you know, Midland slash Scuffle slash South Beach Duels, depending on where they're wrestling, you know, where their school's wrestling. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I don't even know if that's the right answer. I just, you know. I don't know. And some of these guys will probably be back before then. Uh, you know, the the timeline that we've heard on Tomasello is sometime in December. Uh, you know, Tom Brands has indicated Marinelli's not far off. Uh, certainly a good option that Iowa has there in Caleb Young as a backup guy that uh, went, I think, 5-4 this past weekend with with Walsh. He did, um, guy yeah. had a heck of a tournament at Midlands last year, so um, – Always good to have a backup of that caliber, but uh, kind of like Marsden too for Weigel. You know, he's he's doing yep. well there. So, yeah, I I don't know. Like if if somehow the individual rankings did not impact the team rankings, I would do these completely differently. Like I would do a friend of mine that they don't wrestle for 21 days, they pull him, and they pulled Snyder. You know, when he, and he was just because he was wrestling overseas. Um, but it just distorts the team race so much and that I don't do it. But, you know, at a certain point, I think I think really what it comes down to is I'm going to pull them if I think they're not wrestling. That might be it. And so if you go, oh, look, you get a whole yep. semester, you're not wrestling, we might be wrong for a couple weeks by pulling you, but at least we have a solid rationale for why. I think that's probably the answer. Well, David, uh, this Again, this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mats, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, you mentioned Las Vegas coming up this weekend. It's always a fun weekend of the year where you know, we hit that mile marker in the season, the first big tournament of the season. What else do you have your eye on this weekend? I think the two duels that most of us are probably interested in is Illinois and Iowa. And just because I think Illinois can win at least four matches, and so then I think it becomes, 
interesting to see. Like, they can win 25. They can win 33. They certainly can win 65. They can win 84. And can they steal another one and not get bonused and maybe pull a tremendous upset? And then Sunday, Lehigh wrestles Penn State. And, you know, Lehigh's, you know, obviously Penn State doesn't have the best dual meet team right now. Lehigh matches up pretty well with them. You know, I mean, Cruz will be favored. Scotty Parker will be favored. And, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, they're obviously going to be the underdog at the five national champion weights. But, and, you know, with Neville, so there's at least six underdogs. But it feels like they could be competitive. And, you know, guys like Ryan Price have wrestled, like, the Mark Halls of the world tough. Um, I certainly don't expect Lehigh to win. But I'll be interested in looking at the scores and results of that and kind of just see how close uh, how close those are. You know, so those, you know, there's – I don't mean to dis- disrespect anybody else, but those are sort of the two highlight duels of the weekend for me. Anything else before we sign off? No, sir. Safe travels on your way back. Thank you very much, David. Thank you so much for – your time and insight and efforts on the track wrestling rankings uh, presented by Resolite. And those will be coming out on probably before you you uh, hear this podcast. So uh, be sure to check those out. Uh, check out all our coverage of the U23 World Championships, the story about Richie Lewis. Uh, such an interesting story and how he has made this turn made this rise in the last uh, three or four months in particular and what's led to it uh, over the course of the last year or so. Uh, so check out all that stuff. We've got interviews with all of the medalists in the United States and many more interviews from this past week in Poland. And that'll do it for this week's edition of Weighing In. For David Mirkatani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thank you for listening and be sure to Follow up with us next week and join us for another edition of Weighing In.